Ahoy! Ahoy hoy! This is me, Nick. Hi. Welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I am him. I am he, your host. The one uh, of many. There are many people with my name, the name Nick Flanagan, but I am the one who is not a golfer, not one of the few. We Some of us follow each other on social media. I'll just say that. Let's just say I'm cool with certain Nick Flanagans. And one of them tried to get my Instagram handle, and I just... Iced him out. You know, I'd need a lot of money. I've been through it where you you get a good Instagram handle and you get, you, you, uh, you get rid of it for some inexplicable reason. I'll, I'll explain that later. But first, I'm just going to give my usual spiel. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. Sometimes I do interviews. A lot of the time, it's just me on the mic in wherever I'm laying my head to rest at that particular moment. I've been doing things of a performative nature for some time now. And a few years back, I returned home to my roost of Toronto, Canada. And I was really tired. I was a little beaten down. I said, wow, I'm older. And I've been doing this stuff for a while. And it doesn't seem to have uh, caught on with the major populace as I was expecting it to, as well as I was expecting it to, as visibly as I was expecting it to, because, you know, I think I'm one of these people. I've got a little bit of an imprint. I was listening to a Wendy Williams book on tape this week, and she was talking about how there's only really three or four superstars who are really getting it. And that's a usual cutthroat, harsh Wendy Williams brand thing to say, but I think she avoided mentioning the positive aspect of that because sure, that's happening, but that's only happening with the big stars because of a massive ecosystem underneath it. Every move, every person who is expressing themselves is doing, is impacting the overall way that culture is. And if you don't believe me, That's fair. I have no evidence to back it up. I'm just a voice you're hearing in your ear or perhaps on a Bluetooth speaker or perhaps not at all if you're not listening to this. And uh, you don't have to trust me, but that's how I feel. What do they call it? The butterfly effect? Yeah, the butterfly effect. I am the reason that Rihanna is good. Sometimes this podcast is a good time. Sometimes this podcast is me stressing out. Sometimes it's goofy. It it is what it's what it is. It's what it is. Thanks for listening. And if you want, uh, I I uh, recommend you to check out all my interviews. There's one with uh, Chris Estrada, a great a great comedian, and there's one with Devin Burkhart, an anti-racist uh, uh, researcher, who is very interesting. I loved both of those chats. And I have one with Damien Abraham coming up of effed up, fucked up. Uh, old friend of mine, uh, a fellow rocker. So we've got good things ahead. What did I say I'd bring up earlier? I've, I totally lost my train of thought about whatever it is I was going to say earlier. So if you remember what I said earlier, write me and remind me to tell it later. Weekly podcast at gmail.com. W-E-A-K-L-Y podcast at gmail.com. 
Initially, the title of this podcast, Nick Flanagan Weekly, was kind of ironic. I said to myself, I'm going to do this every single day. And for a while, I did it like four times a week when I was still, um, I mean, I'm still getting my sea legs, but I was, when I was really figuring it out, it was very rudimentary. Uh, now, it's like once a week. I try to do it more, but I, if I look at the timeline, a lot of the time it's once a week, and I just need to accept that. And I hope you've understood why that's happening. And one of the reasons why that's happening is because I still haven't become part of society again, particularly. I, I, uh, my day-to-day, there is, like, not a lot to report. I mean, I suppose there's a bit, but a lot of it would have to do with Beverly Hills 90210 and the fact that we are now on season five. And we are just blowing a hole in time with the speed in which we're watching this. We're almost, we're over halfway through season five now. And we just started it this week. I mean, season five of Beverly Hills 90210, in case you're not familiar with that show, you should be. I'm telling you, I'm showing it to someone who's never seen it before. And they have become hooked on the wild mania that is that show. It gets crazy. Let's just say Milton Berle was in a recent episode I watched. But Shannon Doherty, who played Brenda Walsh, the iconic character, left at the end of season four of Beverly Hills 90210. And you may think, oh, that's a spoiler. Uh, It's something you should know by now, and it's something that you should go into Beverly Hills 90210 knowing because to have Brenda taken away from you like that, by surprise, nobody wants that. You want to have some preparation to know that Brenda Walsh is going to be out of your life. But season five, they pulled it off. They switched it all. They got Kelly Kapowski from Saved by the Bell, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, bring her in, bump up all these other characters, and they soaped it up. They made it such a soap opera so immediately that it was bewildering, arresting, intoxicating, and frankly debilitating. It's a lot to take, and we can't stop. So that's one of the main things I have to report to you, which if you have watched, listened to this show before, you know that that's what I'm doing. But you didn't know I was in season five because that just started. You know, watching season five, I think I did, a, I did another comedy show this week. That was cool. It was on the subject of mental health. It was for people who had mental health struggles, which, you know, I would never classify myself as... Uh, you know, mental health survivor or whatever. But if anyone wanted to, that's fine. I'm, I'm fine with that. I just think we're at a very labely point in comedy show promotion. And that's fine. That's something that's ongoing. That's part of the biz. But the problem with the mental health stuff is, well, maybe people are, you know, uncomfortable at times with the commodification of that. I think that's more artist to artist. As in, I think that it's kind of dishonest to play it up or use it as a means of getting to fame without having maybe a 
pay uh, pay it forward kind of thing towards those who go through terrible mental health things or whatever it is that, that one struggles with. But that's personal. I don't really judge you that much. And then comedy shows have traditionally, especially in the last 10 to 15 years, they at least in Toronto, they're always like, the people with curly hair of comedy. There are about 15 different bisexual show, visibi- like visibility comedy shows in Toronto. It's fine. I'm just saying that aggregation seems to be accepted. The other problem with the mental health-related stand-up comedy show is that I think, honestly, people can't handle it. They, you know, nobody, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, cool, I can go on a Monday to see a show where a guy is talking about having, having problems and it's going to be a fine line between funny and uh-oh. Or it might be just reminding me of uh-oh, my own uh-oh. Whatever the reason, there were only two people there. And look, the person who put it on was amazing. The comedian's really funny. It just shook out that way. I don't even really think there is a... I think people could show up to a mental health-related show. It's just, you know, your average comedy I want to laugh. You know, they want a Drake impression. But a real Drake impression would involve mental health struggles. Thank you very much. I think he's got some problems mentally. We all do. But I did the show. I had a great time. And I did get concerned about... So I think it's actually a hard thing to commodify because it's such an uncomfortable topic still. I would say that, you know, the, the average kind of way that mental health um, material is sold to the public is about helping you bear it in concrete ways. And often what kind of, how to ask people to... Um, Give what you're going through consideration. As in, if you have ADHD, you know, tell people, um, try to get past that stigma because if it's giving you characteristics that people misinterpret, maybe it's better that they just know that your intentions are good and you are going to be an excellent contributor to this convenience store. Um, so comedy often really when it, when it tackles problems, it's not offering help. It's offering laughing at what everyone is collectively going through. And that's easier when it's something like paying taxes. It's harder when it's something like, uh, you know, PTSD. So we're getting there. But all I'm saying is next time you hear about a mental health-related comedy show, go, especially if I'm on the bill. Only if I'm on the bill. No, no, other people can be on the bill. That's fine. And I didn't feel like I was helping commodify it due to the people there, the two people there. You can't feel like you're selling something if uh, nobody's buying. If someone's spirit is commodified in the forest... Does anyone know? Does God know? 
The other thing I guess I could talk to you about that I have been up to is I've been thrifting. I'm going to the old thrift store. I like it. I like doing it. It's a uh, guilty pleasure. And it's something when stores were pretty much shut down here that was really contributed to a feeling of not having anything to do. But now I go back, and frankly, I, I recommend you do too. We got to get back into society if we're well enough, if we're not vulnerable, too vulnerable. Got to get back in there. Got to get back out there. Got to go check. You might find a great tie for like a dollar. So you should go to the thrift store. The big box ones, unfortunately, are probably the safest. They have very high ceilings. Here at Salvation Army and Value Village. I've heard there are Goodwills. I haven't seen them. The Goodwill in Ontario or Canada even had some scandal where the person in charge drove it into the ground and they had to go out of business. But I have heard that there are some around. Anyway, Salvation Army in Value Village, the stuff I've found there has just made me so happy. Except that sometimes I'm so excited I buy things I don't need. I feel like I've bought more than one um, magnetic phone mount for a car. You just need one. And I don't even technically own a car. So I technically don't need any. Technically. And when it was really low capacity, you'd have to wait in line to go into Salvation Army. When they reopened entirely, I waited about an hour in line to go to a, a Value Village. Value Village and Salvation Army both have pros and cons. Salvation Army has a history of supporting stressful causes, stressful causes of the Christian stuff that stresses people out. Now, they've distanced themselves from it publicly, so I don't know. I'm hoping they don't do as much direct funding of things like, uh, you know, anti-abortion pamphlets or same-sex marriage down-talking. So I'm just hoping they don't because they hire people in the community who need employment to work there. And the prices are all right. Now, Value Village, uh, there's something we got to get into. We got that. I don't know if you got that in America or Australia or New Zealand, wherever you're listening, Germany. And I don't know where you are. I do, actually, because of my SoundCloud account tells me these things. But we got this thing, Value Village. It's one of these for profits where uh, they had to actually make there was like legal action against them and they had to put a sign at the front a big box used goods store there was a sign that was like we don't actually give very much of what we get to charity at all they basically give a small allowance to charity but the money they make is separate from that and there's just a little bit that's separated for, to give to charity and these fools at Value Village have gotten more and more egregious in their pricing in the last five years. As people get broker and broker, the, the shop for low-income people to buy Wellington boots, um, 
Tommy Hilfiger shirts, is now pricing at a ludicrous way, in a ludicrous way. Now, you know, that's, look, the reseller market is real. But guess what? Those people need money, too. They need money more than Value Village does, flippers, resellers. But a lot of people are just going there to get a cool shirt. And these idiots at Value Village, they're pricing anything as a brand name. And yet I'm still getting good stuff for like two ninety nine because they ain't that smart. But I'll tell you, the worst is what they got going on with video games. These people at Value Village. They, they, they randomly, they get a bunch of video games for free. I don't know how they do this, but some of them wind up going into the uh, regular pool. And you could, I have found good games in just the, near their DVDs, the video games now, there. But the ones they think are special, or from like older systems, or have a different shape than a DVD. That's a big one. If the case is different than a DVD, oh, we gotta look into this. We gotta put this behind the display case. We fools at Value Village. I wouldn't be surprised if the president of Value Village Mr. Burns was based on him, the character Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. Wouldn't be surprised. If you know, write weeklypodcast at gmail.com. And also, if you remember what I said at the beginning of this that I was going to come back to, email me about that too. At that same email address. So they've got this display case where they put all this stupid stuff. Like if they get Lego, they put it back there and they price it for $60 or something. Just for a kid's toy. So they'll look on some website like Amazon. They'll see what something sells for but didn't actually sell for. Then you're, you're buying like, uh, you know, Barbie for Nintendo for $37. No box. And that's low end. So Value Village, get a bit more giving. That's all I'm saying. Lower those prices, Value Village, or we'll get you. Think of how much Value Village has taken in the Salvation Army too, in the last year. Lots of stuff. Places have gone out of business. People have gotten larger homes. People have cleared out their goods. And they're giving it all Value Village for free. And they have the audacity to want $39,000 for this copy of NHL 2010 for the Wii. Nintendo Wii? No thank you very much. Then there's the opposite where, you know, they'll have like a Tommy Hilfiger shirt for like $13 and I'll go, ugh, $13. Meanwhile, you know, knew it would cost. I don't know, what does Tommy Hilfiger go, but you get my point. It's like high price for me because I've got some sort of bottom line I'm thinking of, but the average person is like, oh, $11 for this Urban Outfitters shirt is a good deal because Urban Outfitters is no longer in business. I don't know if that's true. I don't think that's true, but imagine it was. It's easy to imagine it was. Yeah, I resell some stuff. Is it stuff I get at Value Village? It's none of your business. It's like what people say about vaccination status, right? None of your business. But flipping and reselling in this economy? Oh, everyone's doing it. The amount of men, like, flipping is sort of podcasting for guys who don't totally understand recording technology. And I include myself in this list. 
there are so many men going to these stores, grabbing all the books they can, grabbing all the vinyl they can, looking at the condition, going on eBay immediately, giving each other side eye. I mean, pretty soon, the economy is going to be like people charging a like lower price to sell something and then someone buys that and then sells it at like a slightly higher price and then someone buys that and then sells it at a higher price than that until someone's selling a Super Mario Brothers in box for $60,000, which happened recently. But there's people who think that's all just a scam, which I think it is. Someone's like, oh, Mario 64 on the Nintendo 64 sold for like $50,000, $10,000, whatever it was. How? Because it was in box and there's like a grading system that they do now. How? There were millions of copies of these made and purchased. And somewhere they're in dead stock. Just sitting in a building like the Ark of the Covenant in a box. This is like the comic boom and the uh, card boom when I was growing up in the 90s. And you'd hear like, oh, the first appearance of Wolverine is worth... Ten thousand dollars. I don't know what it was. And this this week month, it's worth uh, two hundred dollars more. And now, I think the most expensive old comic book is twenty bucks. So you gotta you gotta watch for that. But of course, if you got out of the market early, ka-ching, king, you're the ka-ching king. There's a podcast called Grift Horse featuring uh, a comedian and writer I admire a lot, Megan Keister, and a very funny comedian I also admire, Howard Kramer. It's called Grift Horse, and they talk about ways to game the system and also reselling stuff. I've got to remember to listen to that. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm sure it's good. So I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Reintegrate yourself into society Watch Beverly Hills 90210 in order to do that. Go to thrift stores. Don't be afraid. Live your life for you, as the great Poison Idea band said. And have a great time after listening to this. You are beloved by all, and that's including me. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to my band camp, buy a copy of my album, nickflanaganbandcamp.com ko-fi.com slash nickflanagan or patreon.com slash nickflanagan. Thanks so much for listening. And a lot of the notes for this episode were written while I was listening to an album by The Feelies. So thank you, The Feelies. Thank you, The Feelies.